Well, we just had the fantastic, probably my best start to a podcast ever. And then a technology gremlin came and took away this beautiful, unfiltered, raw start. And now we're left just with echoes and shadows of what could have been. And, and there's no way we can replicate it, so we're just going to have to leave the audience guessing as to what this amazing, certainly once-in-a-lifetime experience would have looked like. Exactly. And so with that, I'm going to welcome in Philippe Coupins. He is the vice president of global sales for Pickle Juice Company. And he's Belgium. And, you know, for those of us in America, you know, for our lack of uh, linguistic ability, we can just call him Philip. But I'm going to stick with Philippe. I think I'm going to go with the uh, extra style points today. It just sounds that much better and it makes me sound sophisticated. Yeah, it makes me sound worldly as well. So I appreciate it. It really that. does. You know, for a rugby coach, for a cyclist, you and I have an awful lot in common, and I, I am really, really looking forward to kind of diving into this topic of, you know, are you a brand? Are you a category? You know, how do you compete in this, you know, ultra competitive CPG world? I know we've got a lot that we're we're going to get into, but um, why don't you just kind of start by giving us an overview? What is the Pickle Juice Company for those that, that don't know? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start by saying, and thank you for that. Um, it's, it's flattering and I, it's appreciated. Um, I'll start with um, what we're not, right? And a lot of people think pickle juice is the stuff in the jar. It, it's it's not, has nothing to do with pickles. Pickle juice is a trade name, much like Xerox or Band-Aid or Thermos. Um, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Pickle juice is not the, the juice in the jar? No, that would uh, technically that stuff in the jar is called is pickle brine, right? And if we think about it, there's no such thing, naturally occurring thing as pickle juice. Cause it's not like you're out there juicing pickles, right? <laughs> Wait, <laughs> this whole time I'm imagining like a pickle extraction team to you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, we, my we, whole world has been shattered. I was like. I had all these great questions lined up, like, what are you going to do with all the excess pickles that you've just squeezed? The Mount Pickle is, is, <laughs> is behind our building. We oh, my it. God. So that's not even a thing. No. No. Uh, pickle Juice is a trade name. We, we own the trademarks in the name Pickle Juice. Uh, we didn't even set out to create a flavor profile. We set out to create a function. And... In 2010, a research team led by Dr. Kevin Miller discovered that muscle cramps are a neurological phenomenon, not a physiological one. So we did some rudimentary testing, discovered that the acetic acid in pickle brine is somehow disruptive because for years people thought pickle brine aided with preventing cramps because of the high sodium content. Uh, it turns out it's not. It's the uh, acetic acid. And we figured out that muscle cramping was actually a neurological issue, not a physiological issue. Thus, we kind of started playing around with how to disrupt that nerve signal. And uh, it turns out that there's a very narrow and specific type of acetic acid or vinegar uh, that disrupts that signal and will seize a cramp in 60 to about 120 seconds. And it works so quickly and so effectively because it's not relying on any physiological stuff. It's purely neurological. But it so happened that the product that resulted from 
um, all this testing um, came uh, gave you a sort of pickle type of flavor. So we're like, well, if we're going to make somebody consume something that tastes like that, you know, and, and, and just space, go ahead and own it. You know, yeah, you can do one of two things, right, with, with a product and, and be if you're not trying to be quirky and, and, and kitschy and sort of a, a passing thing, you can say what it is or you can say what it does, right? If you want to get into the market quickly and cut through the big cluttered landscape and speak to today's consumer, I think it's important to tell people right in their face because we no longer have the attention span that we did 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. We now need to capture an audience in that elevator speech moment, right? So if you want them to consume something they don't know about, tell them either what it does or what it is. And Cramp Stopper 3000 sounded too weird, so we're all with pickle juice. <laughs> but, I th- well, and we not, you know, when anyone who goes to your website and looks at all the endorsements, all the sponsors, I mean, you just have, you know, a website full of athletes that are just huge brand advocates. I mean, they're the ones who are obviously, you know, telling the story. And, you know, as a as as a runner, as a cyclist, I'm very familiar with with pickle juice. And I really, I honestly thought it was pickle juice. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't just kind of, you know, putting on. I I I thought it was. And everyone says that. Everyone says, "Hey, I need some pickle juice." So when we go on a ride or we're doing a long ride, everyone's got either pickle juice or you know, you go to the aid station or the you know the rest area, and everyone's looking for it. And it does. It works very quick. And so I was kind of fascinated by this whole this whole idea that this concept. And you're right. The what would you call it? The uh, well, what what was the first name that was the pickle? Like a, I mean, uh, the pickle brine. No, uh, cramp stopper three thousand or whatever. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just a kind of a generic, stupid thing. Yeah, I yeah. Came up with. Like, uh, but that thing that really resonates. So. Tell us what, so you've told us a little bit about the, about the company, but tell us more about the brand. Are you a brand? Are you a category kind of, where do you, where do you fit? I, are you kind of your own thing? I think we are kind of our own thing. Um, and, and I think the best thing to compare it to would be Red Bull back in 1999, right? Nobody knew what energy was. Uh, nobody, the retailers couldn't really accept the, the size of the can because their vaults weren't designed for it. And nobody believed that you could lead with function rather than flavor. So we're doing sort of the same thing. We're saying like, look, we're focused more on the results. We consider ourselves a, a the hyper-functional uh, consumables company. We've got products in the hopper that are going to be introduced into the marketplace in the next quarter to six months that are going to be equally revolutionary to athletes. We have a, a USDA organic certified product that we're going to be introducing once I can figure out how to stabilize it without adding preservatives that can increase an athlete's, uh, well, I'll describe it this way because you're an endurance athlete, so you'll get a kick out of this. Yes. It increases the oxygenation levels of your red blood cells by three to 5%. Ooh, we're talking VO2 levels. Yeah, we're talking EPO. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's, that's what, what everyone is after. That's the elusive, how can I perform at the highest level, you know, your max, you know, how can you sustain your max rate? Isn't that yeah. in, in layman's terms? 
So we increase your VO2 max three to 5% for up to five hours and it's a hundred percent organic. What we did is we hyper concentrated the nitrates that are naturally occurring in beetroot. And then essentially what we're doing is we're dehydrating the beetroot. So it's hyper concentrating those properties and then rehydrating it so that you can get, you don't have to eat a, a whole tractor trailer full of beets to get the results. So that's pretty cool. We're also introducing a CBD product that is actually uh, World Anti-Doping Agency approved. Um, so now athletes can find a, a functional anti-inflammatory and painkiller that uh, even at the elite um, UCI levels, you can all they can really take is like aspirin, right? Anything else, and, and, and you're getting kicked out of the Tour de France if you're not French. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, Peter Sagan gets kicked out of the tour. I mean, there is no mercy. Where is the mercy? Yeah, for poor Peter. Um, and uh, but this product is is really really cool. There's zero percent THC in it. We triple lab test it, so it's it's pure. It's covered. People can consume it without any risk, and. It's stronger than anything else in the market at 50 milligrams of bioavailable uh, nano emulsified CBD, 0% THC at 499 SRP. So again, organizationally, we view ourselves as uh, a bunch of science nerds that are pretending to be in consumer packaged goods. And we're really all about creating the next evolution of functional products where the term functional is not just window dressing and a marketing hook. Yeah, exactly. Not just the tagline, but it actually function is the motive. Function is the purpose, the mission, and you just try to make it taste as good as you can, but function over flavor. I mean, I've really not thought of it that way, but that's that's really what that is because when I grab um, a cup of, of pickle juice, I'm not drinking it because, oh, this is going to be the best tasting thing I've ever had. No, it's not bad. I, it doesn't bother. I like it. It's okay for me. Mm-hmm. But like you say, it's function. You're and, not sitting on a couch on your recovery day taking steps of this. <laughs> you know, you're using it for a purpose. And, and that's and we wouldn't want it any other way. And you're now, okay with that, right? You So you, you guys just kind of own that, right? It's, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is, and that's the space we're going to play in. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we actually don't, we, we actively avoid going down any novelty pathways. So when people are like, Oh, you can use this to, as, as a pickleback shot, or you can make, um, slushies with it, or (laughs) you you can do this. No, we've we've heard it all. No. this is for muscle cramping. If you want to use it for something else, that's great, but we're not going to actively market it towards that. We're going to passively market it towards that. And beyond that, we use our, our advertising budget is zero dollars. We, we want to be true organic and faithful to the consumer. So you said it earlier, everybody in the air and space knows about this because we want our product to speak for itself and we'd rather let other people tell people what it's all about rather than what we tell them. I, I remember the CEO of Intuit once said that companies are no longer what they tell people they are. Companies are what 
people tell other people that they are. And as, Wait, repeat that again. Re repeat that again, because I think that bears letting that sink in. Yeah. So companies are no longer what they tell the con their consumer they are. Companies are what people tell other people that they are. And as business leaders, we have to accept the fact that we no longer control our own narrative. We have to be what we say we are, and we have to produce what we say we're going to produce. And it is shocking to me how many of these business leaders and executives still fall in this old mindset of trying to play the smoke and mirror and put spin on stuff. And it's just like, own it, man, and get ahead of, get ahead of your PR by just doing the thing you want to be and that be the thing that consumers are looking for you to be. So, and honestly, it's a much easier way to go about business, right? Gordon Gecko's dead. This is not the world we live in anymore. We live, we live in a world of being transparent, being real and, and producing things that consumers actually need. And I, I you know, I told somebody recently, I, I did a, a college lecture on Tuesday and I said, if you're not delivering a unique value add to the market, either find a new market or find a new product. Because if you're trying to force a square hole in the round peg, you'll not make it in this day and age. We are, everybody's way too informed, way too transparent and way too aware. I'm just trying to wrap my head around how an organization comes to terms with that, the concept that they do not control their marketing narrative. I mean, people spend so much money on this, and yet you guys are kind of just turning it on its head, and you're letting other people tell your story. And we did talk ahead of time, as all my guests do. We, we don't come into this thing totally cold. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You, you told me that none of your um, your athletes are, are paid. They all want right. to be spokespeople for you. Yeah, so our brand ambassador network is um, – it, it's a collaboration right? So we help to advance their goals and objectives in whatever capacity we can. And they like telling people about who we are. And we're really lucky because I think people really want to be part of what we're doing. Um, and we really want them to be part of what we're doing as well. So at, at the end of the day, our brand ambassador network, Tony, feels more like helping out a buddy. You know what I mean? It's, it's not... Uh, it, it's not a transactional relationship. It's, it's a genuine relationship. So if we can help, um, bring awareness to the, you know, the Millers and Patrick Sweeney and Barefoot Ted and what those folks are doing down in the Copper Canyons with the Tarimara in ultra running, we're going to do that. If we, can. Oh my God, I love that book. <laughs> yeah, it's actually required. Born to Run is required reading for everybody who works here. Okay, this is. Gonna, yeah. I, I don't mean to nerd out on you, but oh, I no one has ever mentioned that to me on a podcast. Born to Run, Christopher McDougall. Go out, get that book. I swear, if you do not go and find a pair of shoes Luna's, and start, yeah. <laughs> something's wrong with you. If you do yeah. not get off the couch and start running. I went with the whole minimalist. I tried the minimalist thing. I I still like a shoe with a little more support. I didn't go, you know, to the level that they did. But oh my god, you're! I'm totally geeking out on that. Yeah, like there's a, a ton of our 
um, friends and ambassadors are, uh, so, uh, Barefoot Ted, who started Luna, uh, which is a minimalist sandal company, as you just alluded to, that's based on the Hirachi. Um, we share a ton of the same brand ambassadors, um, like Pat Sweeney, the Millers, um, Ryan out in Philly, all these, uh, lunar runners. And they're just amazing people, man. Like, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what, if, if you haven't done it and your listeners haven't done it and you haven't been to the born to run ultra marathon and, uh, Los Olivas, California, put that on your bucket list. It is absolutely amazing. Make sure you read this book first. Um, it, it's, it, it's, I, I can't begin to explain how amazing an event Luis Escobar puts on, on out there. Um, but if you're into ultra running, you're into the community that it re- represents and kind of the dirtbag vibe that put that on your bucket list. Cause it is, it, it's a life changing experience. I mean, put it this way, Manuel Luna was out there hand making Hirachis like on the spot. You could literally have Manuel Luna making you a pair of shoes. Like, oh my God, what a, and yeah. then to go out and, and run in, in that, like the Tara Umara. So, so that Los Al, uh, out that Los Angeles, is that the kind of the starting or the ending point that takes place in the book? Is it kind of tie into that at all? No, no. Uh, this is a, an event. Wait, that was in Mexico, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's in the copper. Okay, that was in Enrique. That's right. That's right. Right. So, um, but in the spirit of that, that's what this race embodies. And a lot of the people that have been involved, um, with the Taramara over the years that are kind of carrying on Mike Chu's legacy down there. Um, you know, Michael and Kimberly Miller, Patrick Sweeney, um, barefoot Ted, uh, countless others, Luis Escobar, countless others that go down there and, and have now, uh, help to continue to sustain the the events down there and create awareness without exploitation of the Taramara um, are involved in the sort of West Coast ultra running community and uh, and one of the events that a lot of people con- like end up congregating at is the Born to Run Ultra Marathon. It's in Los Olivos, California. Look it up; it's amazing. Definitely go to it. Um, but again, that's kind of that's what we do, right? So I'm sitting here on a podcast talking about some of my friends and brand ambassadors and partners because I'm as passionate about their mission as they are about mine. And they would do the same thing. And that's how we operate. It's more like a, a genuine community rather than a transactional model. And that goes back to your original question of how do companies get comfortable with releasing the narrative? And it's just like, you have to right? these. And you can tell the companies that are sustainable and growing and, and creating new ways to market new ideas and new visions that break through this stuff versus the old models of paying for retail space and, and forced advertising, forced endorsements. People starting to see through that stuff. And because so all the trade promotions that end up being wasted anyway, I think 85% of your trade promotions are, they don't filter through. Right. Um, and, and even paid endorsements, right? I mean, people, people know, people know what's genuine and what's not. And I think really what it comes down to is respecting your consumer and respecting your consumer's intelligence. And I think that's, that's how we view it. And that's why we created that kind of three tier hybrid go to market 
approach uh, that 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 we've discussed, and I know you, you want me to elaborate on at some point during our conversation. I, I, well, you're kind of touching on it now, and maybe we we get into that. But right just before we go into that, I I just want to reemphasize. I think the light bulb moment for me in talking to you and talking to some of my other guests, and I'll mention Stephanie Stuckey here because she's um, she was on a podcast recently, and she's really trying to build a community around road tripping. Now, that's a different space, but the point was it's not just I'm going to sell something to somebody. It's building a community, and that was kind of – she lodged that in my mind, and now you know, listening to you – it's obvious to everyone you are part of the community. Mm. You're building a community. And, I mean, isn't that the challenge for us as business people? How do we build a community? I mean, it seemed like it kind of maybe naturally evolved for you guys. I don't know. I think the challenge for, for me and for other companies, you know, how do we do that? How do we reach that level of community engagement? I think that's, I think that's the million-dollar question. It's actually really easy and also very counterintuitive. All right. Well, I'm it's all e- ears. It's easy because it require it, it doesn't require a lot of effort. It requires the opposite of effort. And by that, I mean that you have to release what your objective is in favor of embracing the process. So if I can turn this into if I can use a coaching analogy, right? As you mentioned earlier, I, I coach. You're a rugby coach, so go yeah. ahead, right? So the most successful coaches I know are the ones that focus on the process rather than the results, right? The least successful coaches I know are the ones that focus only on the result. So what I mean by that is the coaches that are focused on creating a positive collaborative culture and environment for their, for their athletes and their team are the ones that have success because they get, they get the buy-in of the athletes. The ones that, that don't do well are the ones that are like, the only thing that matters is winning. Now, if we take that concept and apply it to business where we stop thinking, you know, I said earlier, Gordon Gecko's dead, right? That's, that's a reference to, to an old, the old uh, 80s movie about greed is good and the only thing that matters is the bottom line. And I would say that if you allow the process to dictate the results rather than singularly focusing on the endpoint, you're going to ha- achieve a much greater result. Now, as leaders, it's really freaking scary because most of us tend to be very alpha-dominant, controlling-type people and to be able to release that and know that there's a lot more variability in the end, that's difficult. So when I say it's, it's really easy because the formula is very simple. Get people to believe in you, be supportive, be, believe in servant leadership, create a positive environment. Don't make it about yourself. Make it about everybody else around you. The execution is really different, difficult because it requires a modern type of leader. It requires a different type of person and it requires genuine belief in what you're doing. So you can't fake it. And that is the secret to creating that community. I just took a lot of notes. I can tell you that. And 
the hardest thing I think for people who are listening to these podcasts and what you just said, it totally resonates and they're going to look around at their current company and go, it's not here. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge. As soon as you wake up, you'll never be the same. Once you take, is it the red pill or the blue pill? What was it in the matrix? He took the red pill. Yeah, I guess for us, it's the green pill. <laughs> you know, I totally blew it. You take the green pill and you can't. So, okay, let's so let's get into this uh, hybrid kind of go-to-market strategy that you were explaining that I, I thought would be very kind of interesting for people to learn, you know, how maybe they could market a product that they have that might be similar to yours and that it's kind of, you know, acute hyperfunctional. Yeah, or lifestyle related, right? Um, it, it's it's really. I'm getting some background noise, by the way, coming from you. Sorry, it's, what is that? It's a tea kettle. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm going to leave this in. <laughs> yeah, man. Sorry, I was just I was just reheating my tea kettle. <laughs> you realize we're on a podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. I drink tea. This is. I'm talking a lot. I need to wet my whistle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Pure, authentic leadership, folks, right here. This is yeah. how Philippe rolls. <laughs> All right. So tell uh, me. So, you know what? Should we just pause for a minute while you go get your tea and your honey and get it all ready? <laughs> Sorry, Tony. I was, my, vote was, my, my throat was getting raspy, and I didn't realize that <laughs> you'd hear the, the boiling kettle. See, um, maybe people are now getting a feel for that beautiful opening that we had that they didn't hear. <laughs> I think they're starting to get an idea of what was happening. Okay. So yeah, the, tell us the, about the, this uh, this hybrid strategy. Army soldier, rugby guy um, has a tea kettle on his desk. And is talking I'm, like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around. See, if this was a video, we really would have had – it probably would have gone viral a lot quicker. All right. Yeah. You would have seen me drinking out of this uh, clean canteen cup that I got at Sea Otter like five years ago, and it's still on my desk with a lot of tea stains. Uh, but anyway <laughs> – so our go-to-market strategy is, is kind of a hybrid between uh, CPG experiential and mission-based. So the, the CPG component's easy, right? So the, the CPG part of it really represents the supply, chain, uh, supply side of, of the equation. That's uh, the joke here is don't make it hard for people to give you their money. And by that, we mean like if somebody wants to get a product, figure out a, figure out a way – for them to be able to get it, right? So get it on as many shelves as we can, uh, make it available through B2C channels. Don't stifle your growth and your product's availability because your your inability to meet consumer demand. Always meet consumer demand. If the consumer wants it, give it to them. So that's the CPG model. Pretty simple. We also work from the shelf backwards. So we so what does that mean? From a pricing perspective, we try to keep independent retailers uh, within reasonable levels of competitive access to mass retail, assuming they don't, you know, margin gouge themselves, because we want the local running shop and the local bike shop to, to do well. But at the same time, we also 
need the, you know, hundred thousand dollar door, hundred thousand doors that are represented by mass and, and, uh, and grocery. Got it. So we try to get a, to figure out a way. You got to blend it between your local independent where the athlete's going, but also again, that athlete is also going to be walking through a major retail outlet and can buy it there too. Right. Got it. So that, that part of the equation is pretty simple, right? That's what everybody's been doing for a while. Get the product in as many shelves as possible. Um, the other piece is the experience, the experiential component, um, which is <clears throat> that we're very fortunate that we have a product that is functional and it's acutely functional. Like if you're experiencing muscle cramp, you drink my product, you will see the product working within a minute or two. No marketing in the world can replace that experience, right? So now I'm going, all right, how can I get Tony to drink this product for the first time ever at the very moment he needs it? That ties into our, so I ordinarily I'd say, well, I'm going to go walk around music festivals and just hand this stuff out and say, take it at this point. So we're taking that to the next level because we're like, no, because we can't really control the point of consumption, right? Like you put in a goodie bag and you don't know what happens with it. So what we did is we partnered with about three to 400 uh, annually, used to be four to five pre-COVID, we're working back up to that, uh, nonprofit charity events, all endurance events. So, um, and we put our product on course at aid stations for people to experience when they need it the most. Um, but the mission-based component is we only, pro we, we only almost exclusively, there's some exceptions, we almost exclusively partner with nonprofit charity events and we never charge them for our products. It's all donated. Um, so that's kind of the mission based thing. We, we actively try to help bridge the gender pay gap in sports. That's kind of something we're pretty passionate about here as well. So we'll unapologetically favor, um, events that support women's causes and, and, and female athletes because we feel that there's a massive earnings disconnect in, in sports and it's not just tennis and soccer. Um, you know, the, the sports that people here are familiar with, but like, man, cycling, the, the, the gender gap in cycling is really pretty appalling. It's getting better. Um, but if, if anybody really wants to learn about that, I highly recommend that they look up, uh, um, Catherine Bertine's documentary, Half the Road, to really understand some of the, the darker history of cycling as it pertains to embracing 50% of their participants. There are all, the, the split, the participatory split in cycling is about 49, 51 male, uh, female, male, yet at the highest levels, all the money goes to the men. And frankly, we think that's not cool. So we're doing what little bit we can about it. So that's kind of the 30,000 foot view of how we go to market. It's CPG, it's CPG components, experiential components, like your, your Red Bull type of company that goes out and samples. And then the mission based component, which is trying to do some good in this world. Yeah. People can really get behind a mission and you've, I mean, that's the, you know, you've only mentioned really a few of the missions, but I think you probably have more than one. You're supporting the uh, pay gap, but you're also on a mission to help uh, endurance athletes, 
you know, be the best that they can be. And, yeah, and working with charity rides, right? I think charity rides are just cool. I think it's yeah. really neat that people use um, – I mean, you're encouraging people to be healthy while at the same time helping people that really need help. I mean, what else is there? And plus the community at, at these rallies. I think, Tony, you've, you've done them. And yep. How much fun is it, right? It, out, it's fantastic, you know. Just you know, the the pre race, you know, showing up and oftentimes there's a speaker that'll start the race that talks about the charity and the inspiration behind the charity and what your money's going to. And afterwards, of course, the after party is a lot of fun, getting to mingle with with everybody. And sometimes they're they're there, and it's it just again it puts a purpose behind your dollars, your work, your effort. Because it takes effort to go out and do a hundred mile, whatever you're going to do it, you're go- it's going to be painful. But I am that guy that has conversations and tells jokes and pace lines it. <laughs> so you're that guy. I'm like, hey guys, this is fun, and they're like, I'm dying. I'm like, come on, we're having a good time. They're yeah, like, bump I, him I, off of our wheel so he drops off the back of the pack. Well, actually, it was funny. We were at the Hotter Than Hell, which uh, most people probably know. It's the biggest single-day century in the country, over 10,000 people. It's been going since 1982. It's in Wichita Falls, Texas, like one of the last weekends of August. Super cool event. Um, also, entry fees are like really reasonable. I think they're like 45 bucks. Um, so that's a cool event, too, that I recommend to your listeners if they're, if they're endurance cyclists. But we had the booth, and I was like, uh, a lot of the folks from uh, that were there with me that uh, that work with me wanted to ride, and I was like, "Yeah, man, go ride. I'll watch the booth." Because obviously, the booth is dead while the event's going on, but you have to get back before everybody else gets back. And a couple wanted to do uh, one wanted to do the metric, the other wanted to do the uh, the central. And I was like, "I'll tell you what. I'll just bring my gravel bike and I'll ride the twenty five miler real quick." Um, so I can get back in time. So I'm on this 23 pound all steel bike with like panniers on it, running 42 C tires at 50 PSI. And I jump in this pace line and I'm going 30 miles an hour. <laughs> and that's the story of how I cracked on a 25 mile road ride. That's, so, that's how you, um, you pop. On uh, on a oh, short ride, <laughs> yeah. So I cracked, man. I did the turn off at like uh, I was I was probably halfway through at my like ten. I was like, I I was I was in the suffer hole, man. I was like, oh my god. You were ser- <laughs> you, you were I'm sure very high RPM to keep up with that. No, I was ma- I was mashing because I'm running. I was running uh, uh, SRAM one elevens. So, um, I was just mashing this thing with like SPDs and like mountain bike shoes. Yeah, it was, it did not end well. Oh, and by the way, it's hotter than hell. So, you know, yeah. on top of it, right? You're suffering. Right. Well, it's anyway. interesting because you, you, you've got these different means that you can go to market, but I want to talk about you for a minute because it, we, we'd be remiss if we didn't, you know, touch on, you know, your superpower. And what it is that you do really well, really naturally, that's enabled you to be successful. You're obviously leading the, the sales and marketing efforts for, for, for the company. So have you given some thought to what you, you think your superpower is? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's tough, right, uh, to, to, 
to talk about oneself or it should be because it, it's really, I, I think, um, I, I genuinely believe in what I'm doing. Uh, I, I think I do a, a pretty decent job of maintaining that focus and expressing that focus to others. Um, I, I think I'm fortunate in that I've, I've been able to be, uh, predictive e even, um, I came from large companies, uh, multinational fortune 50 type companies. That's my background. And, and even in that space, I sort of had an entrepreneurial mindset where in big companies, you're considered to be like a change agent or a disruptive disruptor. Right. And I've always been motivated on doing things that haven't been done before. And I, I think my superpower is a, a willingness to take risk, calculated risk and putting my ego aside for the greater good of the organization's success. It doesn't sound like a big deal. And to me, it just seems like the natural thing to do. But I, I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier, like the willingness to release narrative. Like people are so obsessed with the things that they personally gain through business, whether it be, um, self-actualization, wealth, the being recognized, whatever it is that, uh, you know, fame, whatever it is, right. Even if it's industry peer fame, that they're so focused on that, that they kind of lose sight of what they're supposed to be doing. And they lose sight of what got them there in the first place. And I think I've, I've done a fairly decent job of allowing myself to be focused on the, the results and letting, letting my, um, letting the other stuff come. Right. So I, I sort of apply my business philosophy to my personal life. And I think that kind of has, has allowed me to, to have some success in that space. Yeah. I, I hate when people say my superpower and, and, and they kind of, they say it's, it's trite and what's not it, you know, it, if someone's being selfless, that's really not trite because some people do it very well. So others you know, have to work very hard, very diligently to get themselves out of the way. A topic that's come up a lot on the podcast is servant leadership. And if you've really not delved into that topic, there's some good books out there, some good courses. I went through a nine week course on it and you never arrive. You're always, you know, working on that, but yeah, I, feel like that's part of what you're doing there, you know? Yeah. And it's amazing because the, this, the places where you find it, where humility and servant leadership is the most prevalent is the last place you'd expect it. Like in the military, um, I see it where Pete, the, the, the perception of what the military is versus what it is, it, it, the higher you go in the level of sophistication, the less you see the traditional models of, um, organizational structure. So when you get to like the really elite levels of the military, um, those dudes are all on first name basis, right? And it's a collaborative effort. It's about the other guy. It's not about you. So it's not the stuff you see in, in these old movies and, and the, the entry level portion of the military, the broadline thing. If you look at elite sports, um, the, the, the teams that perform really well are the ones that operate 
uh, as an entity, right? Um, I used to tell people all the time, I, I used to open my preseason meetings with what do the Australian Wallabies, the New Zealand All Blacks, and the San Antonio Spurs all have in common? And, and the answer is they have, um, they all have a no quote unquote Richard Head rule. Um, they all have a sweep the sheds mentality. That's what the All Blacks call it. And, um, you know, the, the San Antonio Spurs, when they beat the Miami Heat in the NBA, NBA Finals, they, they beat a team of all-stars with a bunch of players that none of whom were the best in their position at the time when, he, when we did it, right? We can argue that Tim Duncan's one of the best, if not the best in his position uh, of all time, but he was past his prime when they did that. Uh, Tony Parker, same thing. Um, but they beat this, the, this team of all-stars by being an all-star team. And I think that's kind of what this whole team servant leadership thing means. I mean, there's so many examples all over the world where you see companies being really, really successful because they're mission first, self second, right? How many times do we hear about these, like uh, these companies with like, the self-aggrandizing CEO, those are the companies being vilified these days, right? Uh, like Pharma Bro and all these companies that are just doing really crappy things that used to be the norm back in the 80s and early 90s. That's like, that doesn't work anymore, right? And you look at the companies that are succeeding, it's it's the ones where everybody's in the trenches doing it together and everybody is an equal. Everybody, everybody works to achieve a collective goal and it's, it's kind of a lot more fun that way, to be honest. The all-star team beats the team of all-stars. I think that that's the best way to put it. Yeah. That's the best way to put it. Well, you kind of blew my mind. I, I really wasn't expecting – Wow, I, I don't know what. I, I guess between – you throw me off with you know boiling hot water on your desk. It kind of just set this thing into a new. Just took us to a new level. I have to admit, Philippe. This just. Um, oh, there's a lot here to unpack. I think people might have to go back and actually listen to this one twice. And um, you know, I my mind is already. I feel. I don't know about you, but when I when I learn something, I kind of get to a point where I feel like I'm full, and I feel like I've gotten enough. And I, I hope that's how other people feel right now as well. And maybe what we'll do is we'll, we'll schedule a, another, another podcast, you know, as some of these other products are launching or have been launched, it'd be kind of fun to hear, you know, listen back on some of these new, um, new innovations that you're out there. I know you've, you've got that US, USDA approved. I don't know what, what the name of it is, but it's for, you know, VO2 improvement. Uh, three to three to five percent, and then of course the the, the CBD for anti-inflammatory. I think we mm-hmm. might might have to have you come back on and, and, and talk about that. But this has been this has been awesome, Philippe. I've really enjoyed you know my time with you, and I appreciate you taking time out of, of your day. You know, coming off the pickle hill, to come down and talk to us. That's right. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll wax up my skis again for to, to get another run on that pickle. Uh, honestly, Tony, I've really enjoyed it too. Um, you, you conduct an incredibly well run. And incredibly well organized uh, podcasts, and, and 
Uh, obviously, it's no surprise with the success you've had professionally, um, and I've really enjoyed it, and, and I hope I get the opportunity to come back and chat a little bit more about what we're doing out here. Yeah, well, and, and by the way, um, I got a really nice care package in the mail with pickle juice, and I've already started sharing it with my with my friends. One of my buddies is a, is a power lifter, and he had not really heard of it. And as I was explaining it, again, I kind of went with that experiential. And, you know, he goes into these competitions, and sometimes he has to drop out because, you know, he's, he's experiencing cramping. So I really hope that um, – Yeah, they cut, they cut weight, and they um, oftentimes experience cramps because they're, they're essentially dehydrating themselves before competition, right? Well, I don't know if there's room for an over 50 uh, athlete sponsor, but uh, I, might ha- I may have a guy out here in Johns Creek. Hey, listen. We, we, I hope we, he hears this because he's going to absolutely fall out of his chair with with, with a laugh. But hey, well, uh, if no, any we, of your listeners think that they'd be a good fit for a brand ambassador team, they just need to go to picklepower.com and, and drop down and apply to be a member of Team Green. We, you know, we're not looking for the fastest, biggest, strongest. We're looking for the the, the best member of the community that is best fit for our organization. So a, a lot of our brand ambassadors are, and I'm not implying that your friend is this at all, but we have world-class athletes, um, you know, um, Shelby beats Serena Williams in, in a recent tournament. She's amazing coming and she's a, a huge success story coming off a, a catastrophic knee injury. And then Shelby Rogers comes back and, um, beat Serena in the quarterfinals at the Open. It's just amazing. Um, you know, so we've got those those level elite athletes and, and world-class rugby players. Um, Paul Mullen, his story uh, growing up in a tiny island in North, uh, Northern Ireland to now having, I think, like 32 caps from the United States uh, national rugby team. You know, just a wonderful human being. Um, you know, Pat Sweeney, who became famous from running from LA to Boston in 111 days and, and who is, is doing so many great things. Kara Lubin with the 100 mile club. If anybody listening is a runner and doesn't know what, who Kara Lubin is or what the 100 mile club is, look it up. It is incredible what she's doing. She works with about 2,500 schools. Um, a lot of these are, are lower income, um, parts of the country and she just gets kids to run a hundred miles a year. And, and it, it's an incredible organization. Um, so we've got those amazing, amazing people, but we've also got, got some like just super passionate weekend warriors that are doing bike rallies every single weekend that are out, um, sharing their love and, and, and they're part of our community just cause we think they're awesome people and we want to be part of what they're doing and, 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 and we love what they're doing for us. Um, so, you know, anybody listening that thinks it'd be a, a, a good piece of that, that organization wants to hang out and talk to and interact with some people like that, just go to picklepower.com, uh, click on the, the team green, um, a- application and you never know, you know, I mean, that's, that's kind of what we're all about. That's great. Well, what a great way to finish with Team Green. Philippe Coupins, thank you so much for your time today here on Winning at Work. Thanks, Tony. Really appreciate it.